0: Yo, we're gonna start seeing PSAs, public service announcements from celebrities, actors, musicians. Today, I was actually asked to do one where they say, "Please stay inside." I'm so and so. Please stay inside. I, 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 I'm not doing it. I'm not. I'm not asking. Please. I'm telling motherfuckers, stay your little punk, dirty, shit-stained ass inside. Parents, go outside. Grab your fucking kids by the neck. Motherfuckers still don't want to listen, and people are like, "Please come inside. Get your kids." Okay? Go get your fucking kids wherever they are. Please stay inside, you guys. You don't understand. Fuck all that. Get your little dirty, fucking grubby, selfish, YOLO, fucking dumb, tattooed faces in the fucking house. If you see my kids in the outside, dropkick them in the fucking neck. Little spoiled little shits. You can't be nice to these little motherfuckers anymore. You're going to see these PSAs. I'm not doing it. My PSA is get your fucking ass in the house, you little selfish motherfucker, you. This is a public service announcement.
1: Oh, my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> All right. Hold on, buddy. All right. Okay. Oh, you there? What's going on, Weeze and gang? How are you?
2: Oh, morning. My man, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Are, can you see the ocean?
1: I can see the ocean, but I'm freezing my ass off. I uh, I ran out of propane during the night, so I got a situation oh. here at the house. It's It's 58 degrees in the house right now. That's that's freezing. Yeah, no, it's 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 cold in the house and the uh and everyone's sleeping, so I gotta I gotta figure out, you know what, oh, what the deal is here. But it,
2: I guess they would be sleeping. It's seven thirty five. Anyway, we all well, Deanna and I watched the uh, salute to brother Carl last night. Yeah. I saw the OP start the contest. Yeah. The thing I'm most interested in is by the way, the Guy Fieri seems like a really good kid.
1: Uh, he's a he's a great guy. We're uh, we're decent friends. Um, what happened really quickly? A uh, guy calls yeah. me up and he says, "You got to get out here for the big Carl, you know, tribute I'm doing on gro- uh, guys grocery games. So I fly out there. There's no hint or indication that I'm actually going to be on the show whatsoever. They said we're going to tape all weekend. You know, you come on set and you know we'll we'll try to work in is what I heard. Okay, so I go out there and all of Carl's friends, everyone out there is really really cool. Uh, they're all chefs and they all like to party, and uh, the show takes place in Santa Rosa, California, and everyone stays at this hotel and everyone hangs out at the bar. So I'm thinking I'm not really going to be on the show, and all of all of a sudden the tequila is uh, is flowing and everyone's just partying, having a Yay. great time. So I, long story short, you you know I don't really party that much, but I I let it go oh. that weekend, you know, because we were all feeling <laughs> it for Carl. And I got really, really wasted to the point where I was up all night, uh, let's just say, going to the bathroom uh, back Bye. and forth. i was I was puking, let's just say for the first time in probably Bye. ten years. And so the next morning it happens, and I haven't slept yet, and every time I get up, i I, I have to run to the bathroom. i can't I can't even stand. I, I'm that you know, Bye. messed oh, up, please. right? So Ben Perry, who uh, used to own uh, Laganitas, He's a really good friend of Guy's. He's blowing up my phone. And I finally answer it because they're like, you know, just show up on set. We're going to be there all day. So I'm thinking I could sleep in and maybe try to get my, you know, blank together. My phone's blowing up. I finally answer it. Ben Perry's like, where are you? Guy needs you on set in 10 minutes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He goes, you're opening the show with Guy. I'm like, no one told me this. So I jump in the shower. I'm holding on in the shower like how am i going to do this long story short i get a really hot shower i get dressed really quickly ben perry picks me up he he drives like a maniac to the set i don't know if i'm going to be able to even stand uh you know to do my part i meet guy in the aisle of the grocery stores they just uh they just rush me on set and he tells me right there that i'm opening the show with him and he explains the bit and then and then you saw on tv last night that's me walking out not sure if I'm actually going to lose it on set because of the party the night before with uh, with everybody from uh, the Food Network. But, you know, it came out oh, all right.
2: Carl would have loved it if you puked yeah. right on the show. <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
1: No kidding. But they can party, these chefs. It's it's crazy.
2: Listen, oh, that's the only time I've ever seen the show, and that looks like we're at Wegmans, and you told me it's just a warehouse.
1: Well, here's the deal. I mean, this is how much uh, influence and money Guy Fieri has. So it's a warehouse close to his house in Santa Rosa that they set up to be a grocery store. And I've watched the show over the years because of Carl. And I've asked him questions here and there. But I just assumed they had one item of everything in those aisles. But I walked up and down those aisles. It's fully stocked. Like this product all the way back to the bottom of the shelves. So I I asked uh, Guy Fieri and what the deal is uh, when he's filming grocery games the meat and the produce he um, he, he gives to the homeless you know every week because you can't keep that stuff fresh the rest of the stuff stays on the shelves until the uh, the season's over oh. and then he donates all of that food to all these charities out there
2: it's unbelievable because it looks like a full Wegman supermarket, especially yeah. when they went over to the to the meat and the fish.
1: Holy crap. Oh, no, that was fully stocked. And, and you know, what you saw last night took all weekend and it was just a party on set. There were like 200 uh, people, uh, friends and family of Carl's, you know, just hanging out, watching the whole thing. And uh, in between shots, guys, like, go shop. So everyone was just wandering down the aisles, just taking whatever they wanted to, you know, snack on. It was amazing.
2: So I, I noticed uh, Carl's uh, cardiologist brother, George, obviously.
1: Yeah. But George is really cool and he's funny in his own right. But he doesn't have like that uh, that spark Carl had where it was effortless. But uh,
2: Carl was unbelievable. He was unbelievably funny. Yeah, I never saw that TV show. You know the clips that they showed with Carl, they were semi heartbreaking. Yet you saw his energy, and I know it's, uh, Deanna watched it. She loved Carl.
1: Yeah, I was sitting there watching it last night. It was it was a tough watch, man. I I, I thought I was. <laughs> I thought it was okay until I I watched that last night. I'm like, oh god, I got a long ways to go still. This was just, this one was just a major gut punch, you know.
2: Yeah, to see him be all happy like that, and uh, that he suddenly went. How nice of Guy Fieri! Did he say he's going to do it every year?
1: Um, I I don't know. I mean, we were texting back and forth uh, last night, but I didn't I didn't ask him that. He's uh, he's going to do my podcast though, so we could talk about it a little bit. But
2: I I think they I should said- right. Opie, when is the uh, Opie Weeze one going up?
1: Oh, it's out right now. The and the funny thing is, you know, we talked about a lot of things, but the feedback so far, people are are like, you have to do an episode with Wheeze just talking about Vietnam. So we got to do that.
2: Oh, that's already posted. The one we did.
1: Yeah, man, and the numbers out of Rochester because oh. of all you guys are are it's crazy. Like Rochester is one of my. One of my biggest cities for this podcast. And obviously, I have to contribute that to you guys, you know, you and Deanna and everybody else. So, um, hey,
2: hey, tools, before Opie goes, should you take his man card for him puking like a bitch? <laughs> a no, he's having a good time. Uh, we don't <laughs> take man cards away for yakking. Oh, uh, I drugged. don't know. I think Carl would take his man. Card That's for that part life. of being a man, is yakking. It proves you manliness. Go.
1: It was, emb- <laughs> it was go. embarrassing, <laughs> man. Oh, yeah.
2: Opie. We gotta
1: run, man. How do you how do you go to the podcast? OP what? Yeah, no worries. Uh OP radio, you know, on your podcast app. I'm also on the iHeart app, which is nice. And the latest episode with, is with Brother Weeze and we're talking about that viral video Doreen did and Vietnam and everything else. So
2: Love you, bro. Have a great day. Love to the family. Right on. I'll be listening. Thanks, bro. All right, guys. All right. That was fun.
1: I'm just sitting here by myself. <laughs> Now I got to figure out this uh, this propane thing. Oh my god! I can't believe I ran out of propane. Oh! oh I got another radio show. I got to talk to. And I'm calling into McNeil and Parkins on the Score in Chicago.
3: Score Studio, Terp.
1: Hey, it's Opie. How are you, buddy?
3: Doing well. We are about three minutes away from our segment and getting you on. Okay. All right. Uh, you're going to be going on with Dan McNeil and danny parkins
1: neil and parkins yep <laughs> how are you guys doing up there
3: we are doing really well you know circumstances uh on the side but otherwise we're doing pretty well uh, the other two guys are at they're at their say, respective homes doing the show and me and uh chris tanhill are here at the studio so
1: oh so you guys are yeah, the sacrificial fun. lambs
3: yeah 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 we're uh they have as least amount of people they can have at the studio and everybody else who can do their shows there. I mean, somebody's got to push the buttons and answer phones. So that we draw the short straws. But, you know, it's been good. It's a decent day in Chicago.
1: Oh, good, man. How do you guys do sports talk without uh, without sports? sports? <laughs>
3: we get interesting people like yourself on and talk about the business, talk about life. Yeah. Um, you know, we just had a B.J. Armstrong on. We have people who, you know, have – Played sports or have coached sports and talked to them about the good old times and people and the uh, fans are seeing to like exactly what these guys have brought to the table.
1: I loved B.J. Armstrong. A little known fact yeah. about him: when uh, when Jordan went off to play baseball, B.J. Armstrong became a bigger star.
3: We literally just talked him about that. I mean, if you want to bring it up with the guys, that would be great. That was great.
1: Yeah, he was uh, he was awesome.
4: Hold on, real quick. I'll give you to Chris real quick. All right. Hey, over Chris. I just hey. want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate it.
1: Of course, man. What's going on?
4: Not much. Uh, how are you guys doing with all this going on? Are you guys like out at the the beach house, or are you in Manhattan still, or what's going on?
1: What are you, a stalker? Man, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. we uh, we left New York City two weeks ago, and I can honestly say, with the numbers going up as fast as they are, I I yeah. don't know when we return. I, I believe uh, my kids are going to be doing you know online learning for the rest of the year, so I'm imagining. Yeah. That I probably will not see my apartment in New York City for about a year because I I don't believe Jeez. they're gonna I don't believe they're gonna figure this wow. out anytime soon.
4: Yeah, it doesn't look like, it, especially out there, man. That's that's uh, that sucks, man. Especially when you got young kids. I got a kid that's in kindergarten too, so the online learning shit is you know it's tough, man. But yeah. uh, we'll get you up here in about thirty seconds. I hope they play along and uh, have some fun with you, and
0: uh, appreciate
4: it.
1: All right, no worries, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right, All right buddy.
4: Thank you. Yep.
0: On April Fool's Day, WAAF DJ's Opie and Anthony, who like to refer to themselves as demented, told their listeners Mayor Menino had been killed in a car accident. At the time it aired, the mayor's wife, Angela, thought her husband was in a car on the way to the airport, so she thought it was true. I caught up with the DJ's outside their Westboro studios. You think saying the mayor was dead was crossing the line, though? I feel bad that the
1: mayor's, you know, wife heard it. Who, yeah. who knew that the mayor's family is fans of the Opie and Anthony show? <laughs> <laughs> Used to be. <laughs>
5: yeah. Uh, so we at every radio station now around this time gets a uh, corporate email reminding people, hey, April Fool's pranks, they're totally outlawed. And so we were thinking during these weird quarantine show times as we're just telling stories and there's no sports to talk about. Maybe we can get to the bottom of uh, why that is. And to kind of paint the picture of the weird times that we are in with Sports Talk Radio, we go from BJ Armstrong to Opie of the old Opie and Anthony show. You can still listen to him. He's got his Opie Radio podcast. You get that wherever podcasts are available. He's on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Opie, you're on in Chicago. McNeil and Parkins on the score. Thanks so much for the time, man.
1: Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for having me. First of all, you just played that old clip of me, and I, I sound like a real jerk. <laughs> yeah, any regrets? <laughs> I sound like a real jerk. You live long enough, you 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 come to the realization that you can't relate to your old self anymore. But I, I was like such a surfer dude back then. <laughs> I was just such an idiot. Um, do I have regrets? I actually do. Yeah, I, I you know now that I'm older and hopefully wiser and I'm a, a father of two. Uh, I I don't know if I would have done that same stunt. You know, nowadays that's for sure.
5: You ruined it for the rest of us, man. You guys got all the fun in back in the day with radio doing these insane pranks, and now no one's allowed to do any April Fool's Day pranks anymore.
1: I kind of feel bad, but radio needed to wake up at the time. I'm saying at the time. Uh, there were so many morning shows doing really hacky April Fool's pranks, and none of them were believable. And I was pacing my apartment that morning, and I'm like, what could we do today to really you know, blow up the whole April Fool's prank? And it, 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 it came into my head, let's let's say that the mayor of Boston died in a fiery car accident. And I, I mean, just saying that, I'm, I'm cringing, trust me. So I call up Anthony, and uh, Anthony's half asleep. I go, uh, Ant, this is what we're doing today. We're going to say that the mayor of Boston died in a fiery car accident for April Fool's. And Anthony goes, yeah, whatever, uh, fine. I'll see you in a couple hours. You know, he, he was barely awake. And then I remember, you know, we looked at each other like, are we going to do this today? Are we going to do this? And I just said, you know, F it and announced it. And uh, the rest is history.
4: OP, my partner and I were walking uh, to the parking garage, I don't know, a month or so ago when we were talking about our business. Yeah. Uh, Whether it's AM, FM, Sirius XM, whatever the case may be, podcast. Yeah. And I made the comment to him, my my young radio son, I said to Danny, Howard's the only mf out of all of us who won. Do you feel like you won in the radio game?
1: That is a great question because I know a lot of things changed after that prank. And then, you know, then we go to New York and we get fired again for the whole Sex for Sam stunt that we did for three years in a row. And then after that, they really shut down radio because – they increased the, uh, you know, the fines, the FCC fines and whatnot. So, uh, but I think, I think the time was, was ripe for just to blow up the whole thing. Unfortunately, you know, it hurt a lot of people that were still in the radio, uh, in the radio game.
5: Yeah, I, I can't imagine now that you're, you know, you've done all of those different mediums. I, I can't imagine you miss terrestrial radio very much.
1: Um I mean I'm a guest on a lot of radio shows and, and I enjoy I enjoy it. I mean I think it's obviously way more challenging but I also think that the whole shock jock game is long gone. I mean you got to remember when me and Anthony were pulling all those stunts it was before we all were walking around with our you know our heads in our phones. You know you can't shock anybody on the radio anymore because you could see uh, way worse on your phone. So I, I think I think there's going to be a resurgence uh, with radio, believe it or not.
4: Based on what?
6: <laughs> well,
4: <laughs> I can tell
1: right now that McNeil, you're the radio vet, and you've you've been through a few wars,
4: huh? yeah i've been on the wrong end of a few of those uh letters from human resources in fact my agent recently gave me a stack of them because i'm starting to get ready to write the book so right uh that that can cover a lot of territory right there i've got to ask you about a 20-year relationship sure with anthony and whether you do sports talk or general talk salute it's, it's a unit of push and pull, and you spend so much time with your partner. Yeah. Uh, to what do you attribute being able to survive 20 years with two very combative, insistent, creative, probably very insecure people?
1: Uh, it was the money.
4: Uh-huh. It, yeah. No, it, I'm not even
1: joking. It was the money. I mean, uh, me and Anthony, we started out. We were pretty close. Uh, we started at BAB on Long Island. And then we got the gig in Boston. And for the first uh, two or three years, we were, we were, we were close, man. We, we were definitely uh, friends. And, uh, you know, we had the type of relationship that we talked all the time, uh, even when we weren't on the air. And then by the time we came to New York, we were on a rocket ship. I mean, the first few months in New York, we weren't doing that great because they were making us play really crappy music. And it was uh, my idea. Me and Anthony are driving home one day to Long Island. I go, man. This music is awful. So we decided to just, you know, blow off the music and just start talking. And next thing you know, the ratings ticked up a little bit and then a little more. And then it was just through the roof. And then they started syndicating us. And we pretty much stopped talking to each other off air in 2000. And we lasted another uh, 14 years after that. But, the, you know, the money was crazy. The fame was crazy. The syndication was crazy. It was just a... Complete um, runaway train.
5: You did a radio show with someone who you never spoke to off air for fourteen years.
1: Yeah, in fourteen years, starting in two thousand, we might have got on the phone uh, a couple times a year, maybe, and we would try to, you know, hash out some of our problems and our issues, and then, you know, uh, we would, and then we would think that it would go back to the old days, and then quickly it would just, <laughs> it would just go back to where it was, which is just, if you think about it, it's, it's insane because we had great chemistry when those mics were on, but as soon as we turned those mics off, we barely looked at each other and we barely talked to each other. It was Let me a, take
4: a shot at one of those phone calls might have been when he was not happy with you. You didn't laugh hard enough at a joke.
1: <laughs> not, I mean, not really. I mean, you know, Anthony, Anthony was uh, was very funny and, uh, you know, he, he's a talent and, no, I gave him, I gave him more than his more than, you know, I I, I made sure I, I, I laughed at everything that I thought was funny. So
4: Short period of time, I was a fan of the Maxwell show when it was on the morning loop here in Chicago. Oh, sure. Got a friend who worked on that show. Yeah. I, I guess you guys had uh, some wars with the Maxwell show. What was that all about?
1: Honestly, at this point, I don't even know anymore. I mean, we had guys because we were kind of on the top that everyone would just start taking shots at us. And we were, we were fighting so many battles with so many radio shows across America that I could honestly tell you, I, I don't know what the, the Maxwell uh, problem was at the time. I know he would try to beat us up and, you know, uh, take shots at us. But me and Anthony's philosophy back then was, you know, you take a little shot at us, we're going to take a, a, a nuclear warhead right back at we, you. know we didn't, we didn't play fairly, that's for sure.
5: We're talking to Opie of the old Opie and Anthony show. He's got his podcast, the Opie Radio podcast. When I was uh, preparing, knowing that you were coming on, I was reminded yeah. that you guys did the pregame show for oh, the XFL. No! Back in the day. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, we, now, uh, <laughs> we were handpicked by Vince McMahon to uh, to do the pregame show on NBC for for the XFL. And Man, were we in over our heads. Oh, God. That was just awful. <laughs> yeah, so,
5: like... How? Why? Like I, I don't really have any vivid memories of that, but I cannot imagine. I know the league didn't last very long, right? But how did that go, and uh, how did it fall apart?
1: Well, uh, we were in very tightly with uh, at the time it was WWF, and then they obviously you know turned it to WWE, and uh, we we had all the wrestlers on, and the McMahon's loved us, and they're they're like, yeah, hey, we have an idea. We'll just do this crazy. A ridiculous pregame show, and we'll have Opie and Anthony, uh, you know, um, host the thing. They wanted us to do it live at the Hard Rock Cafe. We didn't know anything about the players, and and they were forcing us to interview guys that we didn't care about because if they were good enough, they would have been in the NFL, obviously. And we knew that, so we were trying to do our dumb bits and you know, with girls and this and that. And uh, so our fans would come; they would get hammered. Uh, before we came on stage, as they're trying to, you know, tape this for for NBC, and I went down to Thirty Rock uh, for an edit for the first uh, pre pregame show, and the director's sitting there. I'm like, man, how would it go? You know, and I, actually, we thought we did pretty good live in front of everybody at the Hard Rock Cafe. He goes, we can't use any of this. I'm like, why? And he goes, I'll show you. So there were monitors on the side while me and Anthony were on stage, <laughs> and our fans. They were making believe they were lining up their index finger and their thumb and looking at the monitor. So it's lining up with our, uh, our packages, let's just say. And they were mimicking yeah. like they were, you know, doing something to us. And it was in every shot. So they had to like they had to edit this thing with just terrible angle shots to just to get it on the air.
5: Yeah, I can see that not going so well. No,
1: um, I, I wish I could tell yeah, the story right. uh, better, but it's regular radio, and I don't want to get you guys in trouble. But it
4: yeah, was yeah, no, again, regular radio. That's where we're stranded, Danny. <laughs> in the world of regular <laughs> radio. Hey man, no, but right, you guys, the
5: radio podcast. You can check it out for the uncensored yeah. version of the story. Uh, listen, I, I know you're a New Yorker, and you guys were huge in New York. You're out on Long Island right now, but yeah. It's kind of the epicenter of this coronavirus crisis in America. What can you tell us about what it's like in New York right now? Sure.
1: So uh, I left New York two weeks ago, and uh, I was just telling, you know, Chris, uh, your producer there, that we don't see ourselves going back for a year, and I'm not even joking. I have two small kids. Their schools are pretty much shut down. They're going to be doing some of that online uh, learning, which, you know, a lot of us are going to be doing with our kids. But about two and a half weeks ago, they were still in school. And when that first case uh, came out in um, Washington State, where they said the, the person had no contact with anybody from China and they couldn't figure out how this person got the coronavirus, I looked at my wife and said, this virus has, has been in America way longer than they're telling us. And then the fear and the anxiety you know, kicked in with me. And we made it to, like I said, about two weeks ago. And we packed up the car. And I'm lucky enough to, you know, have another house way out east on Long Island. And uh, and, and we just bailed. We just bailed out of the city. Um, it is terrible there. The 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 fear in New York City two weeks ago was really bad. And I can't even imagine how it is uh, right now. So, uh, yeah. And that's where we're at, unfortunately. Damn. Yeah. How are you guys doing with this thing?
5: I mean... We were the second state to do the mandatory, you know, stay at home, shut down the grade that Chicago and Illinois have been graded on for staying in place. Apparently, we're doing a good job at flattening the curve. Yeah. But who the hell knows? You know what I mean? There's so many people here, and it's an international city just like New York is. So it seems like New York and the Bay Area are a little bit ahead of us. Yeah. there is still concern of medical overrun and all of that. So all of us are broadcasting from home if we can. And, you know, we're just kind of waiting and seeing the idea of not going back for a full year is fairly terrifying. I don't, I don't think most people around here are there yet, but one of my best friends was right in New York city and he's painting a very similar picture as you are.
1: Yeah. I mean, the pictures coming out of New York, uh, you know, I'm from Long Island originally, but I live in New York city since nine 11 and to see Times Square with nobody there is just I don't even think it was like that after 9-11 the the first few days it's just incredible what's the fear in your heads when you leave your house like I'm to the point where we don't even leave our house without a mask and gloves and some people look at that as like that's ridiculous but I I just see you know people and, and and you just simply don't know who has this thing and who doesn't. And, and and fair enough, you know, we could easily have it because we were, you know, in New York when this thing was uh, first growing.
5: Yeah, I mean, listen, I I have a newborn son who was born prematurely, and so he could be immunocompromised. Right. So trust me, man, like my anxiety is through the roof. Yeah. I'm, I'm not taking masks because they, they, at least in this country, they're saying, you know, those masks need to go to the medical professionals, and they're not going to do anything for you if you're healthy, and they're not necessarily going to prevent you from getting it. I know people in Asian countries disagree with that. There's The jury's out on that, I guess, in some circles. But, yeah, yeah concern. Concern is the best way
4: to describe it.
1: Oh, and I should explain before people get mad at me. I don't have a, an official mask. I'm making my own.
4: Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I was going to tell, you know, good luck finding one if you wanted to try to buy one even if they, you know, if you did feel they would help. And if I could find one, I'd be wearing one. Yeah. I don't care what people say. To me, you can't be safe enough.
1: Usually it's just wrapping towels around my face, but everyone is doing, you know, all of that stuff. And then uh, have you guys had packages delivered to your house and how does that feel?
5: I mean, yes, I have, but what are you what are you going to do? Like-
1: I, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I put on my gloves. I get all sorts of disinfectant, and I'm, I'm spraying boxes. And everyone thought I was nuts, but then it came out today that there's eight uh, Amazon workers that tested positive for the coronavirus, and they say that the virus does live uh, on the cardboard for a few days. So basically, I spray the boxes down. And, and you guys need to know something about me. Like, I'm not a germaphobe by any stretch of the imagination, even though my last name is Hughes, as in Howard Hughes. But for some reason, with this thing... Um, I'm overly paranoid. So I'll spray down the boxes. Then I'll open up the boxes. Whatever's in there, I'll spray those down. And then we're putting, uh, you know, the items in another room for a couple days. That's how nuts I've gotten over this thing.
5: Wow. Yeah, I know.
1: I know that sounds ridiculous. Trust me, I know how it sounds, but
5: I mean, better to be safe than sorry. So I can't, I can't totally judge it. I'm the only one leaving the house here. I've, you know doing curbside grocery pickup, and then coming right back. You know, but at some point, it's like if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. right? I don't know if I would be disinfecting cardboard, but hey, there you go.
1: Well, I don't know how old you guys are. I know, uh, I know, uh, Dan uh, McNeil, you've been around a little longer, but uh, did you ever go to a yeah. like a chicken pox uh, party when you were growing up? No.
4: I'm, I'm I, 33. Yeah. I've never I, heard of such a thing. I, I don't remember having a party for chicken
1: pox. Well, I, I mean, had awful chicken pox well, when I I'm, I mean I'm I'm older than you guys, so when I was growing up, you know, uh, our parents wanted to get the chicken pox over with. Trust me, you throw wow. this out to your listeners, they're going to go, "Yes, I'm one of those people too." And so you would find out who had chicken pox in, in the neighborhood, and your parents would send you over there for a play date to get the chicken pox. And then in my case, I, I have like uh, it depends six, seven, eight, you know, kids in my family. Then, you know, one of us comes home with the chicken pox and, and gives it to the rest of the family so we could get it out of the way. That's how we grew up.
4: <laughs>
1: Maybe that's Long Island. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I, I will I will make a bet with you. You go to your phone. Someone's going to go, Yup, that happened to me. So I'm, I, my, my thought is, I wonder if we should have coronavirus uh, parties and just get it over with if we're all going to get it.
5: We had a uh, director of infectious disease on from a hospital earlier, so he had his suggestions, and then you have your coronavirus party suggestions. I just, I just don't know who to trust
1: here. <laughs> no, I don't want to get this. It's more of, it's more of a whatever. But uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, going back to the April Fool's prank, I do have to uh, say. So you fast forward, that happened in '98. You fast forward uh, to around 20. I'm trying to remember, but 20. Call it like 17ish. Uh, Mayor Menino came through Sirius XM. He was promoting a book, and I tried everything to get him on my show. Uh, I was doing a solo show at this point because I wanted to apologize to the guy. And all those years later, he said, no, he didn't want anything to do with it.
5: Got to be honest. I kind of understand.
1: Yeah, you you wouldn't accept an apology?
5: No, I would – I would, listen, I, I'm a radio guy. I I understand what you were doing. I, but from his standpoint, if he gets a frantic call from his wife thinking he was dead, like I could, you know – Yeah. I, I've held a grudge in my life too is all I'm saying.
1: Yeah. You know, at the time, I didn't think anyone's going to believe it either. But what are you going to do? You know.
5: Yeah. Well, power, power of the microphone. (laughs) Opie, uh, (laughs) listen, man. We we appreciated you trading some war stories with us. Good luck with the podcast, and hopefully, you could go back to New York in less than a year, man. Thank you very much for the time.
6: All right,
1: guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
5: All right. We'll see you back. That's Opie of the old Opie and Ant.
3: Yeah, Opie. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. It's right on the CDC's website, and I uh, got a lot of uh, texters saying, yeah, we had one, yeah.
1: The chicken pox
5: thing? Yeah,
3: it's a, yeah, the chicken pox story, yeah.
1: Yeah, man, that's what how it was when we were growing up. You find out, you found out who had the chicken pox, and then you had to go to their house to get it, hopefully, which is just crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> That's
3: great. That was great radio. I appreciate you
6: coming on with us. It was excellent. All right, man. All right, bye.
1: The Awkward Hang-Up. All right.
6: Guys. We all know that while the little ones are home from school, it's not a vacation. No more going out to eat, going to the park, seeing their friends. They really have no concept of what's going on, and it's our job as parents to make sure they know what's important. But listen, we're going to face adversity. We're all locked indoors. So just a quick story about parenting during the quarantine. My three-year-old overheard my wife on the phone canceling her birthday party she walked somberly into the room and said dad did I do something wrong my heart sank guys I leaned in I gave her a big hug and I whispered maybe you should start listening better so that's this week's quarantine parenting tip from Chris in New Jersey never miss an opportunity to keep them in line stay healthy everyone and keep supporting the OP radio podcast (laughs)
7: Uh, Follow Chris from New Jersey on uh, Twitter. He's uh, the funniest fucking guy out there. I love him. Uh, Also, one of my favorite people on Twitter is the winner. The winner of the Vincera watch, uh, Opie's personal watch that he had for a couple months. He gave it to uh, John from VA what a special treat for the listeners this took 13 recordings to get this you're gonna fucking love this he he, 12 previous recordings couldn't get the message out right so this is his 13th one this is the best of all of them so please fucking enjoy
2: thank you man opie thank you man pretty cool shit opie you're the man i really appreciate it thank you butters you're the man opie you are one hell of a guy I appreciate the watch, man. um I on job in Spotsylvania, Virginia, and here comes this you know what that almost hit me you little uh, I figure, but anyway, Opie, you're the man, man, Opie, you rad, you've been cool ever since I started to listen to you ever since I started following you, and Carl Ruse is jumping for joy. Carl Rules is jumping for joy. I'm giving him a hug. I'm giving you guys bra hugs. If, he, if you guys want any closer, I'll kiss you all. Thanks, Greg.
7: Thanks, John. You are a marvel. Uh, follow J- uh, Raw Dog on Twitter, John from VA, uh, for the best fucking Twitter content that you can't understand. You got stories from the Corona apocalypse. Please send them to creamybutters at gmail.com. We'll get it on in the next. I hope he's doing like five a week now. He's going crazy. Let's fucking wash our hands. Wear our masks correctly, stay the fuck away from each other, and fucking be strong. You're a fucking American, unless you're from Scotland or something. Be a badass motherfucker, you can do it. Boo, 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 boo.